I ask for your patience this morning, and I ask for your help. I do not have an outline. I do not have a... I I don't have anything this morning that's going to be helpful to you at all. Uh, if you're taking notes, I'll kind of, I guess, maybe give you a title. You could write it down or not. might help you and it might not. But I will give you a text. You got your Bible? Say amen. amen. First John chapter number 2. First John chapter number 2. I think we'll start reading in verse number 12. If I have a, uh, if I have a title, I think we'll title it this this morning. Maybe to love the Father. To love the Father. Are you in 1 John chapter 2? I got a hearty yes back there in the back somewhere. I like it. Verse number 12, first jump, verse number, did I say verse 12? 2.12, there you go. First John chapter number 2, verse number 12. John says, I write unto you, little children, because your sins are forgiven you. I need somebody to help me. Because your sins are forgiven you for His name's sake. Now let's not forget, verse number 1 says, my little children, these things I write unto you that ye sin not. He says, I'm writing so you don't sin. But verse 1 says, uh, but if you do sin, and if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, <laughs> Jesus Christ the righteous. He is, we're supposed to be in 12, but I'm over, I've done messed up. We're in verse 2 now. And He is the propitiation. He is the price. He is the appeasement of our sins, and not only for ours also, but also for the sins of the whole world. I'm glad that we can stand and say as a body of, say, 40 people in here, whatever it may be, that when we read verse number 1 and we read verse number 2, that we are not the sole recipients of the grace and mercy and love of God. But I'm glad to every man, woman, and child that God has ever let breathe His air, there has been an extension of the grace of God to them. There has been mercy. There has been enough love given to all men and women across the ages and through every period of time that they could have what you and I have today. And I'm glad today that it was only through Jesus Christ, the only appeasement, the only propitiation for our sins that they could get to the Father. Amen? So now if y'all behave, we'll go back to verse number 12. He says, I write unto you, little children, because your sins are forgiven you for His name's sake. I write unto you, fathers, because ye have known Him. Now, he gives three age groups here. Y'all just bear with me. He says, I'm writing to fathers because ye have known Him that is from the beginning. I write unto you, young men. Because you have overcome the wicked one. I write unto you, little children, because ye have known the Father. 
I have written unto you fathers, because ye have known him that is from the beginning. It sounds like verse number 13, right? I have written unto you young men, because ye are strong, and the word of God abideth in you. Now let's just compare verse 14 to verse 13. We see verse 13 says the same about the fathers. He says, you have known him that is from the beginning in verse 13 and 14. Verse 13 says about these young men, because you have overcome the wicked one. In verse 14, he says to these young men, because ye are strong and the word of God abideth in you and ye have overcome the wicked one. It makes me wonder if the only way they have overcome the wicked one is because the word of God was abiding in them. Can you all agree with that? Honey, if you're going to overcome the wicked one, the word of God needs to be in you. If you're going to overcome the wicked one, the Word of God needs to be in you. Y'all hearing me this morning? But then he says uh, in verse 13, he says, I write unto you little children. And again, he says this in verse number 1, these little children. In verse number 12, he says little children. Matter of fact, in verse number 13, verse 18, verse 28, and then chapter 3, verse number 7, he says these little children. But he says, because ye have known the Father. And sometimes the best thing that you can do is know who Daddy is. Now, sometimes the, the only defense that you will ever have is knowing who Daddy is. Sometimes the boogeyman comes, and, and, and you, we, we sang it, that one of the verses that Brother David got excited about there in one of those last songs, Jesus paid it all. There's no price that we could bring in that. And the only thing we can do is plead Jesus Christ. We, the only thing we can do is plead the Father. And there's, there's times, Brother Samuel, when that boogeyman comes, when we're a child, we just gotta go to Daddy. We can't fight the boogeyman, we can't fight the monster under our bed. We can't fight the monster in our closet, but we know who Daddy is. Can I tell you, as little children, as as immature Christians, sometimes you don't have the knowledge of the Word of God. You don't you you don't even know that you have the shield of faith and the helmet of salvation. But if you know who the Father is, you can you can get a little bit ahead. Y'all help me. Now we look. Now we we come to our text. In verse number 15, he says, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world passeth away, and the lust thereof, but he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. Let's quickly pray. Father, Lord, we put ourselves into your hands. We ask you that you would touch your word. Lord, I pray you'll touch our mouths, our minds, our hearts today. In Jesus' name. Amen. As I said, I do not have any notes, and you may think when you leave here that this was just a Sunday school lesson. I have no idea how this is going to go, but this is this is where my heart has been all week long on these three verses, verse number 15, 16, and 17. 
And I was looking through uh, our songs as a family, and I was trying to trying to think of of some songs that we could sing that might segue into into this. But you just don't sing about letting go of the things of the world and loving not the world and loving the Father. You just don't hardly sing about those things. So I decided to give it over to the young folks and let them sing. And y'all did a good job. So I appreciate you doing that. Uh, but this morning, my heart is about this loving the Father, and uh, so we're going to go kind of word by word, verse by verse, starting in verse number 15. I'm going to give you some things, and you can write them down as we go. Uh, we'll be flipping to probably six or seven different verses, and I don't have the verses uh, written out, so we're going to flip to them. So if you will, keep your Bibles open. We're going to we're gonna take our time, but at the same time, in that same breath, I'm going to try to hurry on. I want us to look at verse number 15. He says here, and now, now 1 John is a it is a a book that speaks about love quite often. Matter of fact, if you turn uh, your page to chapter number four, uh, you'll find those those wonderful uh, words there in verse number seven, eight, and nine uh, that talks about the love of God. If you look at chapter number three, verse number one, behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us. And so, love is throughout this passage or throughout this book. Uh, but we see here. He says the very first word we want to look at, love, not the world. So this word love is, and you can pronounce it any way you want to. Uh, I was listening to Brother Sammy Allen. He was preaching about something else. And, and if you've ever listened to Brother Sammy, he don't put any, he don't put on any airs. And, uh, he's country. And he, he was talking about the word agape is how we say, it's how I learned to say it. And he says agape. And uh, when he said it, Brother David, I was in one of your trucks. I like to rent off the road. When he said a gap, I said, good God Almighty. He done messed that word up. But but this is, the, and he probably said it right. I have no idea. But uh, this is the word agapeo, and it is to be fond of and to be pleased by. Now, he says that we are to love not the world. So, we are not to be fond of or to be pleased by the world. But before we can truly put any weight on this first word, we've got to look at this second word. He says, love not the world. And this word not, it means to, it is to express an absolute denial. To express an absolute denial. And so if you, if you'll just imagine with me for a moment, uh, you go up to a neighbor's yard and there is a beware of dog sign. Oh, well, that is not a do not enter sign. That is not a no trespassing sign. Uh, that simply infers that you enter at your own risk. Uh, you may open the gate. You may come on that property, but you do so at your own risk. Uh, but here is love not. Uh, this is do not enter. This is do not pass go. This is no trespassing. And John says in verse number one, he says, I'm writing these that you sin not. And he says, I wrote to the, the fathers, I wrote to the young men, and I wrote to the little ones, and they all of them are talking about spiritual maturity. And he says, just in case, little ones, he said, you only know about the, the father. He says, I'm telling you, if you 
want to make it to the old man and you want to make it to spiritual maturity, you got to learn that there is an absolute line drawn in the sand and you can not under any circumstance have a desire, have a fondness of the things of the world. He says, love. Do not be pleased by the things of this world. Now, we'll probably have to come back to this word things, but the things of the world is found in verse number 16. For all that is in the world, he says, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life. So the things are answered in verse number 16. But then he does something peculiar to me. Love not the world. You look it up in any Bible dictionary and, 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 and most of them, they're going to come up with that word cosmos. And it's just talking about creation, essentially. Love not the things of the world. That's not talking about don't love the trees. Don't love the, <clears throat> don't love the, the lakes. Don't love the, um, creation. Don't love those but essentially, you don't love those more than you love God. Now, I, I mean, I don't know how far we are, 35 minutes or so away from Lake Blackshear. But I would venture to say there's probably some folks on the lake today. And I can't speak for them. I don't know their hearts, Brother Jody. But I'd say right now, there's some folks at least that are on the lake that are on the lake every Sunday, that they love the things that are in the world. Now, there might be somebody up there that they, they're just on vacation and they're like, you know, we're going to unplug for a while. You get what I'm saying? We're on vacation. But it, it's sad to say that there are, I would, I would venture to say there is a majority of folks today that are in love with the world and the things of the world. I would hate to know, and myself included, I would hate to know the hearts of the people even in this church, even in this church, that are constantly thinking about the things of the world rather than the things of God. He says, love not, do not be pleased by the things, by the world, neither the things that are in the world. So he says, not only the world, but also those things, those things in verse number 16, those things that you lust after, those things of the flesh, those things of the eyes, of the pride of life, those things that you want, those things that you want to amass, of that, that name that can be had, of the name that can be lifted up. And the Bible says there's none other name given among men whereby we must be saved. Jesus Christ says, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. Listen, if there's any name that needs to be lifted up, it's not James Burke. It's not Jim Smith. It's not Samuel Covert. But it's the lovely name of Jesus Christ. And we work so hard to lift our names up. But it's His name that needs to be lifted up. He says we need to love not the things of the world or that are in the world but then he does something that 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 is interesting to me he uses the the word the english word love 
He says, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. But then he says, if any man love the world, this is that same word. If any man love, they are fond of, they are pleased by. We're in verse number 15. If any man is pleased by the world, he says, the love, this is that agape, The love of the Father is not in him. This is that affection. This is that benevolence. This is that that one that we may call the dearly beloved of God. He says the love of the Father is not in him. The word not, again, is very, very important. Our first usage of the word not in verse number 15, love not the world, it expresses an absolute denial. But in the end of verse number 15, this word not, he says, the the love of the Father is not in him. Brother Kurt, this word not, it is an absolute negative in a direct response to questions expecting affirmative answers. Now, I don't know if I'm going to help you or hurt you right here, but there's a lot of folks that they are looking at themselves in the mirror and they are patting themselves on the back because they've been to church on Sunday morning. They've been to church when they're supposed to, but they're living like the devil. They're living like hell. They look like hell. They smell like hell. They're doing things that only people of hell should do. And they're hoping to God somebody will say, oh, aren't you the perfect little Christian? What they're doing is they're loving the things of the world and they're loving the world and they're hoping one day God will pat them on the back and say well done but the Bible says that the love of the y'all better help me the love of the Father is not in them it says is not in them what this means is God saying y'all are hoping that I'm going to tell you you're just fine and you're okay and pat you on your head and go your way but he says this is a negative when you're asking for a positive answer to your question I believe there's a lot of folks that are living saying that they are a Christian today and they're saying well I'm just backslidden I'm not where I'm supposed to be I believe they might be lost. It says they're not in Him. How do we know they're not in Him? Well, verse number 19. It says, they went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would no doubt have continued with us, but they went out that they might be made manifest that they were not all of us. You see, those that are of us stay with us. Now, I'm not talking about Lighthouse. I'm not mad at anybody that's left Lighthouse. I'm not, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about us. I'm talking about the body of Christ. Look at your hand. Look at both your hands. Put your Bible down. Look at both your hands. Look, turn them over. Look at them. You see them? You know them. Which one's your left? Which one's your right? Ain't nothing in them that can say, you know, I don't want to be the body of Kurt. There's no power within any one of those hands to say, I do not want to be a part of this body. And there's nothing within the body of Christ that can say, I do not want to be a part of the body of Christ. But now you let uh, uh, Nick's hands 
decide that he doesn't want to be a part of your body, he can just walk right away. Why? Because he's not a part of your body. Now, that's crude, and that may sound silly. may not even make sense. It kind of does in my mind. But I am not part of your body. So therefore, I can sit on your lap. You'll be hurting, but I can ride on your shoulders for a little while. But I can promise you this, that will not make me part of your body. And there's a lot of folks that they're calling themselves Christians and all they're doing is they're trying to, to go along their life and they're holding on to somebody's shirt tail or they're holding on to somebody's lapel or they're hoping because somebody signed their Bible or that they're okay. But I'm here to tell you, there's a lot of folks not living the Christian life because they are not a Christian. They are not of us. <clears throat> he says, love not the world neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. The love of the Father is not in him. I want to turn to a couple of scriptures just real quick, fast, and hurry. I'm going to try to go as quick as I can. Y'all with me? Come on. Y'all have heard the statement, we're in the world, but we're not of the world. Y'all heard that statement? Come on. Verse number 19 of the book of John, chapter number 15. Jesus is speaking. I'll read verse number 18 just to give you a little bit of context. He's talking and he says, if the world hates you, he says, know that it hated me before it hated you. He said, if you were of the world, the world would love his own. But because ye are not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hateth you. So Jesus himself said, you are not of this world. He said, I've chosen you out of the world. Yes, we're in it. We're in the world. We're in the world. We're breathing the world's atmosphere. Oh, we're living on the world. Oh, we're touching the world. Oh, it's tangible. We're here. Oh, we're not living out in outer space somewhere. We're in the world, but we are not of the world. Jesus himself said that over in the book of Titus. Oh, we look there and we see. In chapter uh, t- Titus, chapter number two, verse number fourteen, uh, Jesus, or excuse me, uh, Paul is writing to Titus, and he talks about Jesus Christ. He, in verse number thirteen, he mentions about that lively hope or that blessed hope, and then he says in verse number fourteen, "Who gave Himself for us? Jesus gave Himself for us, uh, that He might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto Himself a peculiar people, zealous of good works." You know what that word peculiar means? Beyond usual. It means a special people. It means a different people. I've been peculiar all my life, but that's by nature. But I want you to know today, on April 24th, 1992, God called me to be a peculiar individual. And listen, I want you to know today, there is something about it. God has called us away from this world, out of this world, to set us apart, to be a peculiar people. He says in First Peter chapter number 2, I 
believe it is. Uh, verse number nine. Let me see if I can find it. I got all these, these, uh, uh, little things here. Verse number nine. He says, but ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, uh, that ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, uh, which in times past were not a people, uh, but are now the people of God, which had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Listen again. He says that we are peculiar people. We are a chosen priesthood. How you and I, we ought to be different. John says little children. He says young men. He says fathers. Listen, I'm saying church. We need to not love the world, but love the Father. Why? Because we are a peculiar people. Second Corinthians chapter number six. Second Corinthians chapter number six. We see in verse number seventeen. We could we could go on back. He talks about being not being unequally yoked. We need to be preaching more on being unequally yoked. Young men and young women, they're dating one another, unequally yoked. People are getting jobs that ought not have jobs together. They're unequally yoked. I mean, it's, it, it just shouldn't be. But I, I gotta, I gotta stay with my points here. In in verse number seventeen, he says, "Wherefore come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord." Can somebody help me? Does that say saith James Burke? No. Who does it say said it? The Lord. He says, wherefore come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. Listen, I'm afraid today, one reason why the church is in the shape that she's in is because we're treating the world like she's a a, a little, uh, uh, um, uh, some sort of, uh, I don't know, a, a, a shopping center. We're going and we're touching everything, uh, trying to pick it up and turn it over and looking to see what we like and what we dislike. Uh, we're trying this little sin. Uh, we're looking at this little thing. Uh, but the Bible says we ought not even touch it. He said, come you out from them and be separate. I, I, I posted something a few uh, day, I guess last week or so, on the on uh, Facebook. And I've done it to I simply ask a question. Uh, but in my in my in the back of my mind, I wanted to, to uh, make it to, to do an experiment, a social experiment. I simply asked a question or two questions uh, because I noticed this back a few months ago, back in June and then July. A lot of Christians, when they were a lot of Christians, young folks, when they were taking pictures, they were taking pictures with their fingers, looked like gang signs. And, and I asked all of them then. I said, I don't understand. What are we doing? Why are we doing? What what is all of this? I have no idea what this even means. And then uh, I noticed a bunch of the Christian boys had a necklaces and and I remember when I was a boy uh, my pastor told me that when you get saved you take the necklaces off and, and I didn't wear them anyway uh, but uh, you don't wear boys do not wear necklaces and so I simply asked what's up with the gang signs and what's up with the boys wearing necklaces and then you had uh, idiots on both sides of the of the of the street you had some people saying preach preacher preach I'm like you dummies I'm not even preaching I'm simply asking a question I need to know what's going on and then 
then you had some others. Well, you've offended me. I'm just trying to reach the, the lost people. I'm trying to reach the youth of my age. I'm trying my best uh, to reach my young and my little boy. He teaches, he plays ball and he won this because he hit a baseball. Uh, my this, my that. And in my mouth, I'm, I'm wanting to puke up in my mouth uh, because what they are doing is they're fitting in with the world to try to reach the world. And that will never reach the world. But what that will do is reach you and it will drag you down to where the world is. Uh, Lest we forget what happened to Lot. Uh, Peter said, a Lot vexed his righteous soul. How did he do it? Because he pitched his tent towards Sodom. Next time we see Lot, he was sitting at the gate of Sodom. The next time we see Lot, he was in the city. Men were pounding on his door. And he offered his two virgin daughters to these wicked men. Next time we see Lot, he was running around the town trying to, trying his best to get someone to listen to him that judgment was coming, but he had already ruined his testimony. Can I, can I, can I read our verse again? Wherefore come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord. If wearing a necklace is going to get you to, to reach somebody, honey, it, I don't know where it's going to bring them. It's, it's not going to have any depth to it. Y'all, y'all quiet on me. And I really don't care. But I want you to know something. You got some people on one side of the issue. You got some people on the other side. Our society is messed up. And do you know, do you know that every single one of those people that commented were quote unquote Christian? Let that sink in. None of y'all did anything bad. I'd already told you about it if you did. I had one individual, I had one individual send me a text because he knew that his son wore a chain and he knew that his son did that with his fingers and he sent me a text and he said, brother, do we need to talk? And I said, I'm glad you sent me a message. He didn't go crazy on social media and I told him my heart and he told me his and he said, this has been bothering me. He said, I've tried to talk to my son about it. And I've tried. He did it right way. He did it with a spirit of humility. See, even when we even when we get wrong, brother Kurt, we can get right the right way. Come out from among them, and be ye separate, brother David. In your you got your Bible open. What does it? Are, are you in Second Corinthians? All right. What does it say in verse number seventeen? Chapter 6, verse 17. Just read it for me. Alright. Who else has got your Bible open? Somebody help me. Abby, you sitting on the same pew. What's, what's your verse 17 say there? Oh, you're in 1st John. Somebody, I'm sorry. 2nd Corinthians, chapter, whatever. 
Anybody else got your Bible open? Somebody on this side, you got your Bible open? What's it say in verse 17? Therefore come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord. Does that say anything about blending in? Does that say anything? Oh, good God. Somebody turn to Romans chapter number 12, verse number 1 and verse number 2. Does that say anything about being conformed to this world? No, it doesn't. Be ye separate. What it says. What's it say? I beseech ye therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your body as a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service, and be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. It seems mighty peculiar to me that most Christians today that I run into are doing more fitting in with the world than falling out in the world. It seems to me... You ain't mad, are you, Benny? Okay. It seems to me that more Christians in in our society, they're, they're blending in more than this world than becoming separate. But we need to be separate. Where am I at? Verse number 15. I ain't even got to the other ones. I'm going to give you verse 16 real quick. He says in verse number 16, we're, we're back in 1 John. I'm going to quickly go through these. He says, he says, uh, uh, for all that is in the world. Quickly, all means the whole. Okay? The whole. There, there's not one thing that's left out. The whole. For all that is in the world. Then he says, the lust. This is a longing for what is forbidden, a craving or a desire. He says, for uh, all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh. This is the sensuous nature of a man. This is the nature with cravings to incite to sin. Uh, this is not, this is, uh, this may sound silly. Uh, this is not a craving for ice cream cone. This is not craving for a Big Mac. Uh, this is craving for something that will cause you to sin. Uh, this is a burning within the depths of your soul. And he says that the world, uh, that the world, that this is within the world, the lust of the flesh. But then he says, in the lust of the eyes, uh, this is that, uh, that longing of the eyes, the natural eye, the eye of the mind. It is often associated with envy or jealousy. In other words, you're looking at what someone has and you desire to have it yourself and you would go so far as to cause harm to get that same thing for yourself. You would lie, cheat, or steal to have that for yourself. Then he says the pride of life. The pride is boasting. A trust in one's own power and accomplishments. And then life, the course of life, the expectancy or existence. So let's put those together. The pride of life. You're boasting in your own existence. You're essentially saying, this church can't go on without me. This job can't go on without me. This house. This marriage can't go on without me. That's the pride of life. This pride is the boastings. A trust in one's own power and one's own accomplishments. 
He said, these are the things of the world. And he says, these things are not of the Father, but is of the world. The word of, it is the origin. The pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. Its origin is of the world. These things that we preach about, these things that we ought to be preaching about, these things that we ought to be teaching. And can I, can I just step on a couple of toes? We ought not be waiting for the preacher and the teachers at church to be teaching these things. We ought to be, daddies, we ought to be teaching these things at the house. Yes, I said daddies. We ought to be teaching these things at the house. Yes, mama's got some things she needs to be teaching, but daddies ought to be teaching these spiritual things at the house. The origins of these things is of the world. They do the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life. They are not from God. They are of the world. James chapter number one. James chapter number one. He says, but every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his, somebody help me, his own lust and enticed. These lusts are in us. Things that you lust after may not be things that I lust after. Things that you are tempted with, I may not be tempted with. But mark it down that there are things that we are all tempted with. And if we are not careful, we will be drawn away of our own lust. And we will be enticed. Y'all still with me? We're talking about to love the Father. If we're going to love the Father, then there's some things right here we got to take care of. Very quickly, last, look at verse 17. He says, and the world passeth away, and the lust thereof. But he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. The phrase passeth away. It simply means, well, I'll say simply, there's, it means to depart or to disappear. But it means to lead away. And I, I, I didn't struggle with this, but, but I kind of had to ponder on it for a little while. To lead away. Look with me again. Verse 17. And the world passeth away. The world leadeth away. What the world will do is if you will give in to the world, it will very easily grab hold of you and or allow you to grab hold of it. And it will very gently, but sometimes abruptly, lead you away from everything that you've known about God. And it'll take you far away from Him. The world passeth away. The world, I, a few weeks ago, we, we, we preached about the redeeming the time. We're rescuing the loss. Here, we understand that time is fleeting. We understand that the world will, will not always be here. It's hard for us to comprehend that because it's always been here as far as our finite minds can understand. According to Scripture, it hasn't. But it's departing. 
It is disappearing. It's leaving. He says, and the world passeth away and the lust thereof. The lust, one of these days, will pass away. You start reading and you get into, you get into the book of the Revelation. You start reading in Ezekiel. You start reading in Daniel. You start reading in Jeremiah, Isaiah. You start tying all those things together and you find out that the, the one of these days, there will be no more sin. We got a couple more days before that happens though. He says, lust thereof. He says, it, 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 it's, it's gone away. But I think we could also say that lust will lead us away. But then he says this, but he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. The word doeth, it means to carry out or to ex- execute. The will of God is the word thelema. And it is a determination, a decree, a command or a precept or law. He said, if we are to carry out or to execute the determination or the, the determination or the decree of God, he said, something's going to happen. But we must carry it out. We must execute it. If you're given instructions on how to do something, you can read those instructions and that something will never be done until you execute the instruction. We can be hearers of the Word, but if we are not doers of the Word, then God's will will not not be done in us. We will not be doing God's will. He says, and the world passeth away in the lust thereof, but he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. Abideth means to stay, to continue, to remain forever. This is an age or by perpetuity. I just like the word, Brother Lee. You probably know what this word perpetuity, probably everybody does. But this specifically is, I guess, maybe a, a financial word. And it is a, a bond with no fixed maturity date. It is, it is a, in this case, it is a promise that has no end. And he says, if you do the will of God, if you do, if you execute the will of God, he says, then you have a promise that you will abide forever. That you will be safe. That you will be with God. That you will have no end. There is no expiration. There is no maturity date. It is for eternity. Reminds me of Matthew 24, 35. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. This verse says that the, the word, the world is going to pass away. The lust is going to pass away. See, but if you do the will of God, you will not pass away. You will abide forever. Somebody prayed today. Don't remember who it was, but I prayed that all over the world, when the word of God is, is preached, that God would bless it. Do you realize that we are promised 
that when this world, that when this word it goes out, that it will not return void? It's because it's living. It's alive. I want to read you a couple more scriptures here. In 2 Corinthians chapter number 5, Verse number 14. I want to get to verse number 17 and we will very soon. Matter of fact, we can come with a song of invitation. For the love of Christ constraineth us because we thus judge that if one died for all, then we're all dead. And that he died for all, that they which should, which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. Wherefore, henceforth know we no man after the flesh. Yea, though we have known Christ after the flesh, yet now henceforth know we him no more. Who is he talking about in verse number 16? The old man. Okay? The dead man. Look at verse number 17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Did you realize that in verse number 14, it says the love of Christ constraineth us to do what? To live after him. Now, we're just talking about the love of the father over here in first John. But do you realize over in John chapter number 10, verse number 30, Jesus Christ says, I and my father are one. So when we're talking about the love of the Father, and then here in Second Corinthians, we're talking about the love of Christ. We're talking about the same love. And Jesus says here, or Paul says here about Christ and the love of Christ, how it constrains us, it draws us to follow Christ, to live after Christ. But the reason is because what He's done for us. And He gives us that great verse in verse number 17. He says again, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he, that man, is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. I heard a preacher this week as I was listening, and he, he said that when we're, when we're living our life as a saved, born-again child of God, and we've got to make decisions, and whether it's, whether it's about school, whether it's about a job, whether it's about a relationship, whether it's about children, no matter what it is. He said, you pray, you seek the Lord, you read the Bible, but under no circumstance should you consult the old man. He said, the old man is dead, and the old man will lead you wrong every time. Think about it. Let's stand. Father, we ask you now that you would help us. Father, I pray, Lord, that you'd help us to love you. Lord, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. Father, there's some benefits to loving God. There's some benefits to loving the things of God. Lord, one of those is peace. Lord, there's peace in knowing that we are saved. Lord, one of those assurances of knowing that we're saved is that conviction that when we do wrong, You are there. Well, verse number one, verse number two said that we have an advocate with the Father, and that is Jesus Christ. That when we sin, 
That Holy Spirit immediately comes to us and tells us that we have done wrong. But then we have access to the Father by the Spirit and the Son. That that Son begins to make intercession for us, as He says in Romans chapter 8. But He makes intercession for us and He's pleading our case. Lord, that's an assurance of our salvation. An assurance of our salvation is that we love the brethren. And it's assurance of our salvation is that we do the will of God. Lord, we, every one of us may stumble and we may, we may in part begin to enjoy things of this world. And Lord, we may, we may stumble and we may even begin to love some things of the world. But I know today, God, that you can draw us back by that Holy Ghost. Lord, you can put our affections on things above. Father, we ask you today that you'd help us have your will. Lord, let us, let us love you. Lord, let us have the love of the Father in us. We ask it in Jesus' name.